this is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you Welcome back to Brian K. Pod, the internet's only podcast about Brian K. Vaughn and his seminal series, Saga, with issue-by-issue breakdowns, hosted by myself, Spencer. And me, Logan. Logan is our resident expert. He's read all the issues up to, but not including... Issue Wait, that work. 55? <laughs> Can you say up up to issue 44, but not include... Oh, gosh, I'm messing up all the numbers. He said it right the first time. He hasn't read the most recent issue. I have only read... I'm about to fall off. This this episode uh, is actually issue number uh, five, and I am very close... No, it's issue four. I'm messing... No, it is issue five. Yeah, what is happening? Do you know what it is? I'm reading the big blue book, and then it says in chapter four. So as I'm like getting to the right page, I see chapter four. It's in my mind, and I say it out, even though <laughs> it's chapter five. So we're, we're talking about issue five this week. The idea here is that we sort of break down the plot, talk about the issue, talk about what's going on in it. Um, I, again, have only read a few more issues ahead of us, and that was years ago, so I don't really remember what's happening. Um, Logan's read it all. He helps provide context to the subtext. Uh, and uh, but he doesn't spoil the plot ahead, so so don't worry about that. You should be in in good hands. And Logan, honestly, you know, several episodes in, you've done a really good job of not like I don't feel spoiled at all. And I'm the guy who knows you better than all these listeners. Keep listening, you'll get to know him better. Um, and so I would pick up on those spoilers if you were like bad at hinting. You're really good at like kind of talking and guiding, but not ruining the plot. So good job, you. Yeah, I try to just like point out like, hey. This will be important later, but not saying, hey, this is, you know, what's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, well, what we do, um, what we do every week is we just sort of go through the issue, typically from just front to back, just start at the beginning and work our way to the back. And at the end of every episode, we give our favorite panel and or page. Um, and, and so you can, you know, stick around to the bitter end for that moment. Um, if you want to know what we love the most from the issue, the, the first question I have, Logan, is spoiler alert, is your favorite panel uh, Prince Robot the Fourth taking a poop? I mean, <sighs> I, I want to say yes, but <laughs> like there's some other good stuff in the issue, but there there's a, a like this is two issues in a row we've op- opened on uh, quote unquote the bad guys in just like a splash page format, you know. The oh, will yeah. wasn't in the first splash page, but it was about the will, and this is just so so can Prince Robot on the toilet. <laughs> So another another mirroring of the first page splash, the very first issue, uh, the very first line out of a character's mouth, not narration, because there is narration on that first page, but the very first lines are, am I shitting? And yes. my very first question was, is he shitting? So um, a lot of mirroring going on. It's really, really good storytelling. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know that we have much more to talk about on this page uh, in terms of the the bodily function other than why does a robot go poo, uh, is how good the coloring is of like the fluorescent bleeding light onto the wall. Like it, it feels like a public military bathroom. Like it, it just feels, it just really does. Like, like it, 
she's i don't think we talked about fiona staples art in the last issue and Mm -hmm. uh, very much anyway and just how uh great it was at capturing the sextillion and the Mm -hmm. the uh sexy and creepy vibes of all of it but yeah like she it's a home run panel man yeah no no absolutely absolutely and so what what do we see prince robot for doing while he's using the restroom so I, I also wonder if this is Brian K. Vaughn, like, not taking a shot, but being like, ah, I know you read my book on the toilet, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're saying, because everybody saying, like, does it. <laughs> no, that's, that's it. Everybody does it, right? Even Prince Robot the Fourth, a very dignified <laughs> soldier guy, everybody reads on the toilet. There, there's no, I, I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine recently. Um, I have a, I have a whole system of readings. I have two kids. That's what come up, comes up in every uh, episode because we're talking a lot about kind of new parenthood in relation to the main characters, Marco and Alana. Uh, and um, I was telling him that basically I have a, a Kindle, like I have a Kindle paper white reader um, and I have books, like physical books. And I'll, what I will do is I have a library card that syncs up with the Kindle. So I'll have my book I want to read. I'll have the physical copy, which I do prefer. And I'll be reading that, but then I'll check the book out of the library and I, and I and I said politely for mobile reading like if you have the kid and you're rocking the kid is what I meant and my friend kind of in a derogatory way said like you just do that so you can read while you poop and and I went you know what you read while you poop and he got really quiet and I was like everybody does this so I <laughs> this is the most we ever need to talk about this but I think the the universality <laughs> of that first splash page is freaking fantastic and also hilarious. Like so it's just I, I actually have a personal anecdote that kind of relates to this. Oh so, my God. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> well, number one, yes. And I recently subscribed, resubscribed to the Marvel unlimited app so that oh, I yeah. can read comic books <laughs> while I'm sitting on the toilet. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in public places. So, uh, also, when I was young, uh, anybody that listens to our other podcasts that I host with my cousins, Jacob and Elizabeth, uh, we were, we've always been very close, and their mom was an avid romance novel reader, and kept them all over the house, specifically in the bathroom, there were always two or three, so... If you were going to be in the bathroom for a while at their house, well, the only reading material within grasp was always a trashy romance novel. So I've done my fair share of reading trashy romance novels while sitting on the toilet, (laughs) much like Prince Robot. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, did I lose you? You almost did. Sorry. I had to unlock the door for the wife. She arrived. <laughs> but I caught I caught the gist of the story. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, this is one of those days. All good. So anyway. So you read romance any- novels on the pot? I did. So <laughs> did I talk to you? I talked to somebody recently. I had a teacher in high school who paid her college debts off by writing romance novels in secret. You told me that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no shame in it. No shame. But here's the thing. So Everybody reads and poops. Prince Robot 4 reads and poops. But what he's reading is our book, 
that that Alana was reading and and apparently reading to a prisoner, um, and and so it's also it, there's it's a lot of humor there, but he's also like a dude who never turns off, right? Because he's not reading just to enjoy himself. He maybe it seems like he's uh like finding something to appreciate in the book, but um, but he's also like investigating while he's on the right. pot. Like his dude never stops because he is a robot, right? And it it does show his level of um, competency in that he yeah. didn't just dismiss the book. Yeah. So he he decided to read it and see what the deal is. So and then and it, it makes, he gets a phone call. <laughs> I does before we get into the phone call. I just wanted to say this too. It does make me interested to learn maybe one day or just get more context as we know him more because we don't we haven't spent a lot he's made a big impression but we've not spent in terms of page count a lot of time with prince robot um and so i would love to know like how his robot brain works is it like a droid who can constantly compute things or is he does he have sort of a functionality that has limits and he has to grow beyond like how does that work um and so so like did he did his instincts tell him to read the book or is he just always calculating so he knows he has to read the book something like that. i'm this is the kind of stuff that i get really fascinated with in science fiction which i don't need the explanation i'm just kind of like watching for it if that makes sense yeah yeah so so yes he gets a phone call what's the phone call logan from his wife <laughs> like the the parallels on this podcast and this issue are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> insane yes. <laughs> very true very true um yes because we've been interrupted behind the scenes we've already restarted this podcast once <laughs> because of a phone call um so yeah the the princess has good news um she's i do like how like uptight she is <laughs> like like he's all uh princess they don't really like us using royal channels for personal conversations so he's very business and she's like lovely to hear your voice as well <laughs> <laughs> I just love their, their very royal interaction. I really like it. But she's got news. What's her news? She's pregnant. We've got another baby in the mix. But and and here is to me a couple things I really liked. Um, the first thing that the prince, or not the first thing, but one of the big things the prince wants to know is not just are you sure, but then right after that. Is it a boy or a girl? Which she doesn't know yet. But that also, it strikes me that in this world of total fantasy, this male-female gender role in the royalty has not evolved. Um, that's something we didn't talk a lot about last issue, um, the gender roles, but they've come up through other issues so far. And this, I thought, was like, it's a great one line to say, like, this is how how you've always known it is how it is. If men are like men have been in power and stayed in power, and that is important. And and I like it's just one little question, and the and the wife sort of dismisses it as you know too early for that. But we'll be happy with either, won't we? For and uh, even a girl, which I don't think she's really dismissing. I think that's not actually correct. But she's saying like we're gonna love this baby no matter what. Um, but it is important to have a boy, like clearly in that exchange, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I a hundred percent like it feels like a very royal kind of thing like especially old school like i'm gonna be really disappointed if this isn't a boy you know that carry on the line yeah. all that stuff that, that there's a, there is all that subtext there and done so well and so succinctly that 
you just pick up on it and like they don't they don't even have to go into it it's just there it's great yeah no totally absolutely and i do like how um there there's also this element where as we've talked about a lot i feel like there's just so much foreshadowing this book is very propulsive but it's i feel like it's setting up so many dominoes um but the 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 catch here the princess lets lets the prince know is that her his father um i'm assuming the king um will not allow him to come home until he's completed his mission which is to capture marco and alana and the baby um and so until he completes the mission he can't come home he sort of tell that uh, miserable old prick blah 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 i'll be home before the first trimester and he's kind of you know but i immediately i'm like oh buddy don't that's like that's like the scream thing like i'll be right back don't say that like you're not like the, <laughs> i immediately know you're not and um, and so now i'm like will you even meet your child like that's a me that's where my head goes because as this issue shows me um you don't you're not necessarily long for this series just because you show up and are cool yeah um for sure uh so uh, one thing about this scene i actually did have to look up a word um miscegenation uh, yeah <laughs> i yeah, did not know what, yeah i did not know what that was <laughs> Yeah, I weirdly took a that weirdly. I don't know. I don't know what the right word. For, I I took a class because it sounded interesting in the description about miscegenation in literature, like how it was represented in literature in college. So this is one of those words um, that has come up a lot in the last month for me because I'm reading a book about uh, the Alamo. It's called Forget the Alamo, and it's a uh, a more accurate history of both what happened at the Alamo, but sp more specifically the story of how and why we know the Alamo is something totally different than the reality of the Alamo, like the oral traditions that passed down and why and who did it and why why we think of the Alamo in one way compared to what it really was. Um, it's very fascinating, but miscegenation comes up a lot because people who uh, of two different races who uh, had sex together and had babies together were considered very lower and, and people used the fear of that as a racist sort of call to guide the story of, into making anybody of uh, Hispanic descent evil in that story. <laughs> and so anyway, but miscegenation comes up a lot and that should give anyone who's listening a context for what that is, but also like the, so the prim and properness of saying it that way, it's like classy racism right and yeah and especially now because back then that was you know at the time that was just the word that it was called but to to use the specific bigger dictionary word uh, about you know uh, having sex between two races in this case i guess two species in a way they kind of look at each other um it, it, which is honestly how racism racism and looks at that in in some ways and so it just shows such it's it's just high class elite racism, you know, just casual. Yeah, it's it, it took me down a rabbit hole that I was like, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have looked this up. <laughs> it's it's a um, it's fascinating. Um, and yeah, forget the Alamo. Check that book out, people. If you want an interesting book about history, it's very snarky too. It's it's written by three young folks from uh, younger folks from Texas, and they're having a good time with loving their state, but also being like, "This stuff is messed up." <laughs> it's very <laughs> funny. Um, and so, anyway, no, no. But I, 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 
Also, it makes me not on their side at all. Like, good for you having a baby, but really, I don't care because you guys don't seem very good. Like, Prince Robot the Fourth, you make me nervous, and your your princess seems kind of like a jerk. <laughs> so, I don't it, know. It also uh, adds to this officially now. All of the quote main characters that we have, um, okay, are now parental figures we have the will prince robot marco and alana they are all now uh-huh. parental figures which because the will has his, his little six-year-old right that he's just met okay that's interesting look at you this this whole book is just about parenting saga the saga was parenting all along i mean kind of <laughs> i mean it does start with hazel talking about this is the story of me so um yeah so yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, it, much like Star Wars, Game of Thrones, all the big sagas we love, like you can always pinpoint. Oh, it's about fathers and sons. Oh, it's about, you know, this or whatever. But you know, parenting definitely is a huge, huge part of it. And the fact that all these people are now responsible for um, someone, you know, else uh, definitely plays into their stories colliding so yeah no that that makes sense and so following this we actually have one of my favorite cuts in like all of movie and storytelling um which is the um someone runs in this little the little lackey we've seen before runs in um and says sir a scout ship to the east just spotted something and prince robot goes what kind of something and then the smash cut to a bunch of soldiers with guns yelling step away from the baby at our main characters but it's sort of that He's on the pot having a conversation. Everything's pretty, I mean, calm for the most part. Even the the acknowledgement of having the baby is mostly pretty calm because um, he even says, I'm so happy, my love. But it's like there's periods. There's no exclamation points in the way Prince Robot speaks. So everything's calm. And then it's the smash to the reveal of the threat and the kind of the loud, like everything's going crazy on this side of the story. Um, love that sort of move and the tension immediately throws you into tension. Um, so we have our winged um, uh, soldiers coming upon uh, Marco and Alana and Marco's, you know, remember no killing. And then I love a lot of, yeah, no promises. She's so cool. Well, and then they completely subvert that, you know, yep. like you, yeah. you, you, we've spent all this time, with you know him talking about his past and then swearing all that off and her going like yeah no baby we're not ruling that out because if somebody comes at us i will take them down but then immediately she's shot (laughs) which it's like we just got marco back (laughs) yeah like what the hell dude like stop trying to kill the main characters for one issue um she gets shot she's taken out and he just sees red and we get a lot of context for marco's uh you know hesitance to be this violent person that you know he he swore off being well so i love that you said he sees red because the panels literally go red as he attacks and as he screams his battle cry and it goes red that's i mean it's 
it's so on the nose, but it's so effective. Like that's why it's on the nose, right? And so, and, and the nice thing is you can see there uh, at first uh, in panels against blue sky. So it's light and blue. She gets shot, he yells her name and then yells out and everything goes red. It's such a good transition across two pages. Um, but here's m my thing, and you may know the answer, so you don't have to, you can say, we'll talk about it later if you do, but it feels like when he goes violent, his whole face, even the coloring on his face, not just because of the red panel, but his whole face, everything changes. Um, and it's not that he's a different person, but something that is inside of him comes out and it's so violent. He cuts off a hand. He's kicking people up like a ninja. He's punching somebody, breaking their jaw and their visor um, with the sword handle and he's slashing it. Like it's so violent, the headbutt. And and I love the horn headbutt. That's a really like, of course you would do that. That makes perfect sense to hit someone with your horns. And and he's so angry and he's a, and he's like about to he kind of loses himself in that almost Wolverine like berserker rage and 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 he's going to kill them all and cut off their heads and he holds the sword up and then he gets shot <laughs> and, and she's stopping him and says that's enough. And I felt like what we saw, not only do we see this great panel of action on a series that has really not been action heavy, a lot's happened, but it's not like a fighty book. Um, really cool series of action panels, really good insight into to why he would feel that if he leaned into killing, he could like that could be bad because he could do that a lot to do it very well. Um, so I buy him as a guy who should maybe be a little more reserved in his violence. Um, but when she stops him and she says that's enough and he looks up at her and the blue skies are back in the panel and he says, what would I do without you? I have to wonder if there's some Jekyll and Hyde element, you know, um, that I don't know about. Um, I think only in the the more obvious sense of like mm -hmm. he is somebody who needs to keep his anger in check, uh, not any real transformation. Um, but, okay. uh, but yeah, definitely think it's, uh, um, intentional that he looks so drastically different, but the same. Um, yeah. And I, I think I don't want to speak for either one of them, but I think it, it probably does come from like seeing someone in that type of, uh, way before like in person you know knowing like a very a, violent a human, person i feel like it's a human experience to have seen that at least once in your yeah. life um yeah. and and so and typically it's from someone you know so it's, you've probably seen it more than once um and yeah it's it's very it's all very effective it's all very i don't get like the thrill of of like an x-men fight you know what i mean like it's not like ooh fight scene um it is very much defense and i do get sort of a like wow he can really it's almost awe-inspiring in a way of like whoa <laughs> what can he do um and and so i think that's all really really well handled handled because i think if he had looked like happy to be naked taking these guys down that would also sort of read into marco's character more in a way that I wouldn't have liked him as much, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. This is total caged animal defense, um, a cornered animal defense. And, and all that comes across really, really well in uh, Fiona Staples' uh, depiction of his face and the coloring. Um, I love the, the white snow becoming 
bloody. So there's still she keeps all this red on the panel, even when the the angle is looking down at his feet. So it so we never lose that redness when he sees red is really cool. Um, and so and then, of course, she, he, she gets shot and it's like a side angle so that you're not looking at any blood. But the shooting knocking him out of it is a blue panel as a really, really cool color and stylistic choices. This is the kind of thing that um, that I would love to know, like, again, how many um, what what were the conversations? What made it be uh this way did she choose it did did vaughn see it and his head in his writing like what made it work out that way but either way that partnership is that's this is a great example of that partnership working at its best absolutely yeah i mean we could have just done a saga podcast about fiona staples and been like and this dude that wrote it brian k vaughn (laughs) no kidding no kidding um and you know what? I'm going to amend our previous statement. If you guys can get Brian K. Vaughn or Fiona Staples on this podcast, we'll just stop doing it. We'll talk to them for an hour, and that will shut down the podcast because um, we will have achieved the you know, nirvana. We would love to talk to either of them about this. Um, but, yeah, no, it's awesome stuff. Really, really cool stuff. Um, any other thoughts on that before we move uh, on to The Will? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say excited to talk about more of The Will's story, but – definitely uh, he's one of my favorite characters so i'm yeah. always happy to to jump into to what he's doing and i did i did want to ask you i didn't want to jump to it to start with but at the beginning i did want to ask you did you think we were done with the sextillion <laughs> um no because immediately i thought last issue and i wish i had said this when we talked about it but i thought like that's great, but you're like in the center of it. That was a whole part of the plot is like you have to go down to the core or something like that. He, the, the guy called it the fishmonger, as we called him last episode, uh, uh, called it. I think he said the core or something like that. So I was like, you got to get out of here. I don't know if it's going to be like old boys, boy style with like a hammer through a hallway, but you got, you're going to have to get yourself out of this situation yeah. now. And so I didn't know what that would look like, but I felt like no way do we just cut to him and the girl and lion cat just hanging out in his little acorn shaped ship. And I'm, I'm glad that there's more to the story than that as much as it sucks to still see her kind of both of them wrestling with getting her out of there. Like it Mm -hmm. would, it would be such an easy fix to just be like, well, of course he just took her and ran and everything was fine, but it wouldn't be just like, I mean, if you've watched any human trafficking stories, like it, it's not always as simple as just getting them out of there. So, um, because people see them as property, um, so that they'll fight for them, they'll do whatever, they'll kill them rather than lose them. So, No, absolutely. And there is some level of like it starts with the Western trope of the cowboy who's going to do better and be the hero in a way. You know, we've got our Clint Eastwood character sees this and is like, nope, you're dead and I'm taking her. And the Western is then they ride out. Right. And and so I do like that the ride out is a ride out interrupted. Um, And and I but it also makes me extremely tense because and we'll get into it. But where this issue leaves it, it is still a it's still up in the air um and the things i have memories of from the next few issues have more to do with alana and marco and hazel um and so i'm like i don't remember what happens here and i'd like to know that it's okay 
um, so so that's that's sort of where uh, I'm at with it. But let's let's get into it. Talk to me about where we find um, the will. So they 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 do make it up to the surface and towards his ship, and immediately run into um, a character named Mama Sun, uh, who has Lion Cat on a leash ready to uh, pull the trigger of such a crazily designed uh, handgun, I guess some kind of energy weapon, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. It looks pretty cool though. Do you know what it looks like? This is this is silly. This is what it looks like. I thought of so there is this thing in a sewing kit that's like this little flat metal thing, and it's in a very similar shape, and it's got a point on it. I think it's for getting thread, maybe either into the needle or through like a button or something, or to like undo thread. Um, but it's I feel like this is a little sewing thing, like it's based on the look of this little sewing tool that comes in a basic like button repair kit. And so I'll have to find what that's called and and then send you a picture. But anyway, go ahead. That's awesome. I love the idea of Fiona Staples also is an expert uh, sewer and (laughs) needed a design for a gun and was like, huh, this kind of looks like a gun. And, you know, I can make this into a gun and just throw that in the book. I I love that idea. I'm seeing one right here. I I found that I found a picture. I'm looking. But I, but the problem is these are all just big kits, so I got to see if they'll list what all's in it, so I can Google the things. There's it'll probably like I'll know what a thimble is. Keep keep going. Sorry about that. Um. So yeah. So first, Mama Son threatens Lion Cat, informs the Will that you didn't think it was going to be this easy, right? She's uh affixed with like some kind of elixir that if she leaves unauthorized. It will harden her veins and kill her. Uh, all this stuff that ensures that they're not going to lose their property unless their property is dead. So, yeah. um, and he kind of has to scramble to try to figure out how he can do this because the only option he's given is to buy her outright, which he can't afford because also they took his card and they're just going to keep it. For you know all the damage he's done. Well, we also she also gives him a price. Like she's up for it. She's a business lady. Not that that makes her any better or anything. It's just pretty terrible. But the the price is like um, it's six hundred and fifty thousand, and that costs more than his actual ship. <laughs> <laughs> like like the context of that is both horrifying because of what the subject matter is, but also helps us understand like. Some get gets more concept or context to the money in the world, um, which is also again that interesting, boring stuff that I get into. It's like, how does that money work? And so, like, that's it's six hundred and fifty thousand credits or dollars or whatever it is. Um, that's a lot of money in, in our book. And so, um, I don't know, very very interesting stuff there, but more than his ship. So she also calls him out on his. Um, I mean, we can say weird moral compass by saying, so it's okay for you to kill children, but it's not okay for people to, uh, she says, make love. I hate that. Yeah. That very much looks like it. Spoken Um, by a monster. (laughs) Um, I just said Logan and you guys can Google it. It's called a needle threader is what it's called. So it is like a, so it is, it helps you get the thread through that little hole in the needle, the eye of the needle. Um, but I do think it like very much, it looks very similar. <laughs> and so um, anyway, go ahead. 
Um, yeah, she says it's okay to kill children, not okay to make love to them. You know, kind of calls him saying, calls him on it saying that that's, that's bullshit. Um, and he says, well, if I have to explain the difference, then you're more far gone than I even thought you were. Um, but it is an interesting kind of dichotomy like that that's your line not saying that either one of those things are that neither one of those things are okay but your line is it's okay to murder them for money not okay to uh sexually abuse them so but i mean he has a moral compass so he does and, and it is funny I, it keeps him firmly in the grade that it's like the book will not allow the will to be a hero um the there's the thing of like the there's different kinds of monsters and some are worse than others that hazel says in the last issues narration or or you know right i don't I guess i'm gonna stick with narration for that and um and and then now we've got mama son who clearly like sometimes a villain is just a villain and there's like no gray area her face is she looks like a villain everything about her is like a villain and everything she says is a villain and then even she can say like you know you're not that great right like like i get that you want to do this thing i'm a business lady and you you are terrible like with the right business you don't get what you don't it doesn't count and i think that both of them are are wrong like for what they're saying like 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 the will should say in a typical hero story the will goes i don't kill women and children right and and i'll kill any bad dude but i don't kill women and children and instead here we go it is it is um it would be easy to make him that it would be so easy it's what we see happen with any kind of anti-hero especially in comics you know their moral Mm -hmm. compass becomes don't kill women and children but they they do not take him in that direction which is horrific but admirable from a, a a a creative standpoint right no yeah no absolutely um so what we're where we're left is essentially he's thinking how do i how do i get her think 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 how do i save her um and then we get back to um our our heroes as i'm going to continually refer to them until brian k vaughn breaks my heart and changes something about them that i don't know about alana's a secret genocider or something um and and our heroes are escaping. They've taken control of the ship. I do like that that he thinks she knows everything, and she is like, "I did this in a simulation," and that's very much also parenting. <laughs> like Katie, my wife, like, "Was you how, how much how much of the bottle should I give him? I don't know, <laughs> two to five <laughs> ounces." Which and baby speak is like that's a big difference. Um, and so like it's it, you're all just sort of guessing, and I like how there's just there's it, a good exchange. It's very very uh, relatable. Um, and and they're kind of you know Marco has concerned like do you think the guys will make it uh, or do you think they, based on this binding spell that was done to keep those soldiers uh, alive until then um, and then he he, he mentions and it, it this kind of keeps coming up vaguely but he mentions do you think um, it just feels like I've gotten us cursed and he's got this you know goal to not ever kill again and i'm wondering like because magic is a part of this that we haven't seen a lot of even marco getting healed by snow is very vague like how that's working um and so i'm very curious if there is some sort of additional level of threat 
uh, of a curse, of a vow or something sacred that Marco has that goes beyond just someone being like, I'm never going to kill again or something like sort of like the you see, God, if you do this for me, I'll never eat cheesecake again. And then he does it for you. And then like a week later, you're eating like five cheesecakes like and but nothing happens to you. Right. Like you're not cursed. I'm wondering if there is a like if he eats the cheesecake, he's immediately struck by lightning. Like what's going to happen? Look, I told you the cheesecake thing in private you're supposed to make it public um it's very funny as i said it i went i'm totally calling logan out on his cheesecake love on accident but i'm going with it let's see what he does <laughs> um uh, i don't i don't know if i can speak to the curse thing okay. much because it's not really i don't i think it's something that does keep coming up but Mm-hmm. It always feels to me more like a karma thing, and when he talks about it, that's what he's talking about. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's weird how much I relate to Marco on that level because I I talk well I don't talk about being cursed a lot, but I do often feel like I'm cursed, and that that yeah. comes from really the the bad choices I make in spur of the moment decisions. So um, I'm like, well, my karma just sucks. I say I'm cursed, but really, mostly it's probably bad karma. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, and I, we don't know, I don't know a ton about Marco's belief system. And that could just be a big part of his belief system. I think there's a lot of people who believe in karma, whether they're even religious or not. They're just like, yeah, there's like a balance to the universe. And so the golden rule is the golden rule for a reason. Um, and it transcends most religions. And so I think this could just be kind of a way of life for him. That, that makes sense. I'm curious to kind of see um, as I read further and as we talk further this is probably the not even probably probably the only other book i paid this much attention to is batman year one only because i've read it in the sheer quantity of times i've read it um and so like to, to dig in this deeply I'm, I'm this is something i'm now put a marker in that i'm just tracking sign of how this goes whether it be some sort of curse cosmic balance that he's afraid of religious belief whatever it is i'm just curious it's a very interesting thing because honestly I don't know if I had this ability to protect my family to this level and those people were shooting at me. I don't know that I would be concerned if they were alive or not. Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough that I would be that concerned. Maybe I would. I, I think you are. Um, I, 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 the two of us, I definitely think you are. Um, <laughs> uh, I, so I have, a, I have a question for you. Uh, the, yeah. It kind of, they go through all that and Hazel starts like laughing. Yes. And and making little baby noises. And I mean, she's been mostly pretty quiet in the five issues that we've known her. Um, yeah. And so immediately that becomes their focus. And, you know, it, it that their portion of the story ends with her with uh, her saying, face it, today was a good day as a parent, yeah. like. Do you have those days? Now, obviously, you and Katie have never faced down people trying to kill you. Um, <laughs> but you've definitely, as parents, had, like, absolutely shit days together where you went from, like, sure. you know, probably arguing with each other to being, you know, together fighting some common thing. 
um, to back to arguing with each other, to like shit in the house falling apart, and it's like, oh, what the that's what I was gonna say. Fuck like our anniversary, next? <laughs> our anniversary, everything's going well, and then I get a text from uh, my mother-in-law who lives with us, and our shower is leaking into her laundry room <laughs> on our anniversary, and so, and then you, then we have to kind of you know, deal with that. And then, then, then we go out to eat dinner and we have a great time. And it's so yeah, the balance of up and down and things like that. Um, definitely relatable. The, the kid laughing is a, is a big thing. It's not something that happens very quickly. Like this, this laughing in the first couple of days is more fantastical than even the horns growing out of Marco's head in my, in my experience. Um, but, but, is such a huge moment when it happens. Um, and when you figure it, this has not happened here, but when you figure out how to make them laugh, right, that's a huge deal. Um, but the laughter and because I think the laughter and a smile, um, changes them from being, it like steps up something internally in your mind and in your context from them being a, a factory of kind of eating and waste producing, eating and waste producing to more of a person um, because they're crying usually because they're hungry or need to, or have produced waste. Like that's kind of, that's it. But when they laugh, they don't have to do that. Right. And that's kind of the magic of it. Um, and so, so yes, I've definitely been there where there's terrible days and then either my six-year-old or the baby says something or does something that the baby doesn't say, but the six-year-old says or does something or the baby does something and it just breaks all the tension in the room um and then you just sort of gather yourself and keep going forward together because they're because your kid reminded you that there are things that are better than whatever's troubling you or bigger or more important um than what's troubling you um and it's a pretty magical thing i just got my kid last kid thing and then you can talk again <laughs> um but i just taught taught our youngest the, the three-month-old to laugh because he has this scowl a lot of the time. It's hysterical. He's so grumpy looking. We mostly only send happy looking pictures, but he gets grumpy looking all the time. Um, and he looked at me real serious and kind of has his brow furrowed at me. And I just leaned in and I went, don't you look at me like that, like that, like very serious. That kid started laughing like he has never laughed before. And now anytime I do that, I scowl back and say, don't you look at me like that. He thinks it's the funniest thing that's ever happened to him. And I can't tell you the kind of joy that brings brings me to like watch him react to that. It's just one of the funnest things. And now Ezra will sit next to me, our, our six-year-old, and he will go, you do look at me like that. And so we have this <laughs> combat of making him laugh by talking seriously to him. Um, and it's it's just very funny. So yeah, the 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 joy of the baby making a happy noise um, is wonderful. Um, and when it's out of nowhere, it can be completely redefining whatever's happening in the air around you. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, so it does speak true to the situation. Once again, yes. Brian K. Vaughn, being a parent, comes through, um, and it, yeah, it, it it I did feel like oh that that feels completely true to life, but I needed confirmation, obviously. So yeah, sorry sorry for the winded conversation or confirmation, but total confirmation. Yes, I would totally confirm all of that as absolutely. And, and face it, today was a good day, hundred percent. 100% makes sense to me. I've been I've been there. It's been late and and exhausting and you just like in the end they weren't so bad, you know? 
because you, you look at those little moments and those wins. Um, so you ready to talk about the tragedy? Well, well I don't yeah, know I was if about to say, let's talk tragedy. about someone. Who, well, I was going to say, let's talk about someone who didn't have a good day. <laughs> um, uh, she got so, chased through a planet by the horrors, and all she wanted to do was escape. And, you know, I guess at some point she. So we're talking about the stalk. Um, she she's back. I was excited. I was genuinely like, oh, here she's back. Cool. Yeah, I guess she because last we saw her, she was running. She was trying to get yeah. out of there. And I yeah. guess at some point she kind of had a, a change of heart or maybe more money was offered or, you know, she just got to her ship and was like, oh, well, I'm safe now. So let me see if I can track these idiots back down. And, and the she sun did. came up and they and the ghost disappeared. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, and she gets a call from well, the will, <laughs> who's, and, ch- who's also changed his mind and wants her help <laughs> because he wants $650,000 or credits yep. or whatever it is, basically. <laughs> but he's saying, I'll, I'll do this job with you. Let's get, cause, and it also gives context. I didn't think about this till now, but, uh, doing this job with someone else and having enough money to save the little girl means that like. The price on these guys is massive. Yeah. It didn't occur to me at all until like right now. But like if they would do it and go splits, then that and that would take care of saving this little girl like that. The price on these guys heads are insane. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. Well, we'll we'll get to that in future issues yeah. as, yeah. as the, sure, the sure, sure. reasons why. So more to um, come on that then okay but yeah so he's trying to like and she's giving him the what for <laughs> like no no sir you messed up and this is where I, this is the first that robot has intersected with any of the other characters robot rides mm-hmm. in on a, a winged horse which I, I don't know that have we seen them in this book before <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking I'm I'm going back to that big splash page with the turtle yeah. dinosaur thing. I'm wondering yeah, if there was something there. like there. Uh, it was just kind of cool to see him ride in like old school kind of cavalry style. Uh, that makes yeah. it sound like he's a good guy, but you know, ride in on a horse, look at all princely and you know done up and been like you know who are you? Don't move a muscle, you know. All that stuff. Yeah. So very old. Stuff. It looks like wing wing creatures. So never, never quite. You can't tell us if it's horses or not in the old pictures. So yeah, yeah, it this has is, like beaks. So yeah, it's very funky, and and so it's kind of like this weird mixture of like, um, have you ever seen Barbarella, <laughs> in the movie? Yes, yes. So it's it's sort of like something from Barbarella mixed with like Greek stuff, and then some a little more science fictiony, evolutiony stuff. It, it, it's very funky. It's cool. It's cool, kind of grabbing from all these different influences uh of, of the pegasus kind of image and um and him coming in and, and also I, honestly like alana and marco were in this cool ship and i would think like why wouldn't they travel on ship but they're just they traveled on these horses yeah pretty um, cool. it is pretty cool and you know she, she's she's kind of juggling like downgrading the will and also addressing prince robot and you know, it feels very uh, real worldly that, you know, oh, hey, she's reaching for something. And then he just shoots her. 
and and I do love so there's there's two so we've got this three panel um, kind of uh, period here where where the I'm just I call I keep calling her the lackey but the lackey screams she's reaching for something and then robot's face turns into as we kind of talked about his emotions come out as pictures on his TV screen head at the baby rattle like he's thinking and which is kind of nice to see that he has some uh, care in his heart or whatever robot beating circuits. Um, uh, Cause he's like, I've got a kid coming at home and I'm not going to die today basically is what that tells me. And there's like the lines kind of showing like, <gasps> like that kind of feeling. And then he takes out his arm cannon and puts a hole straight through her chest. Yeah. And assume, I mean, she has a giant hole in her chest. So, at this point we are definitely the stalk is dead so yeah like you know. in my in my mind immediately i'm like there, there is like a, a a way that this is an arachnid kind of uh creature and anything could be true in this crazy world she has all these eyes and all these legs maybe she has some extra hearts but that's a pretty big hole straight through her and there's a lot of blood on the ground and the the hello on the phone um or like the egg phone thing she's holding of the will saying hello like what's going like that's that's very classic like she, she, she's dead so i don't know if she's dead but i think she's dead pretty sure yeah. she's dead yeah dead. It, it's <laughs> it's uh it's it's definitely not the uh, uh, like illusion of death that we've gotten twice in this book already <laughs> with our two other characters getting shot. This felt very much like him going like, no, no, guys, I want you to know that this character is dead. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And and there you go. There you have it. Um, it is. it's a great issue. I thought this, I like this issue, not that we really rank them because overall we're just uh, kind of going through the story, but I thought this issue gave me more of the subtext I like. Um, And we talked last uh, episode about how issue four sort of had the heavy lifting of the new reader push, right? The people who'd found out about the series and are now coming to it after missing a couple of issues and want to get in on board. Um, and so they have to, you kind of have to bring everyone up to speed as much as possible if they've not been able to grab those issues. There's a lot of that heavy lifting being done in the last issue. This doesn't do that. Uh, it just kind of keeps pushing forward. Um, and I really like that. It's so propulsive, the story, um, but also never i don't know how to explain it it's never there's such a lack of exposition that but there's so much world building at the same time that i'm it's such a cool dynamic of like i'm learning so much but never feel pandered to ever yeah it it is a near perfect story and near perfect storytelling it's one of the few books i've ever read that i feel like had i just started it from issue seven like if i've ran or randomly i did this with preacher i picked up like mm-hmm. preacher volume three for like two or three bucks one time mm-hmm. just because it was two or three dollars and i was like you know what i'm just gonna read it like literally almost in the middle of the story and i, I was like holy shit, i have to find all these books and then went back and started reading so it it's good storytelling when you can pick up in the middle and then want to find your way to either end. So uh, they do an excellent job of that. Um, I did want to add, I meant to ask you this when we were specifically talking about the will. You had a Batman analogy, I think, that you yes. were going to make. Yes. And there's something I'm supposed to ask you about as well. Do you remember what it is? 
I do. Okay, cool. Um, just want to make sure we don't lose your. So yeah, I, so I thought. Um, okay, so I'm a big fan of uh, the TV show The Expanse. I've not read the books, uh, but I have them on my bookshelf and on my Kindle from the library, ready to start reading this year. It's one of my goals. Um, but I'm a big fan of the show The Expanse. And you have not seen The Expanse, correct? No, I have not okay. watched it. Okay. The character is uh, the characters are a lot like saga characters in terms of the the shades of gray and just the very human. There's like no real white hat, black hat characters, um, but one in particular um, uh, named Amos has a, a very will like. Uh, excuse me, a very the will kind of. Uh, I can't forget the first name is the um, uh, kind of similarity. But also reminds me of Batman and the whole idea of like the kid, the the kid forged through tragic violent tragedy into who they become, um, and so I do wonder if the will is willing, and I'm kind of adding to my thoughts because of what we've read now. Um, but if the the will is willing to kill children, if he's a bounty hunter, um, but not let a child be in this position that she is in. Um, I think of Batman, I think of Amos, these characters kind of forged through violence into having a certain set of parameters. Batman will do all this violence, but in the comics, after a certain point, there's a really cool article I just read um, about this, but um, that kind of breaks down where Batman's theology or, or whatever changed, but it doesn't kill as a point. And it's sort of a, a point of um, that, that, that he can maim and he can injure, but he's not going to kill part of that. So you don't get rid of all your villains. Right. Um, and, but, but, but the other part of it is that if you take it back a notch thematically is he was forged through murder, he will not do the same crime. He'll do all this other stuff. He'll break your back and your face and your legs, but he won't murder. Um, and Amos um, has, uh, history that I don't think this is like a big spoiler for Amos because Amos lives in the moment most of the time. So I'm just going to say vague spoiler alert for one character from the expanse. Um, but, but essentially he has a history that is like the little girl in, in this book. Um, it's semi, semi close around that. And, and he, he, that's his line in the sand. He will kill people. He will save anybody of his friends. He will do anything he has to do, but he will drop his friends and anything else to save a kid who's in peril of violence similar to what he grew up in all of that to say i wonder what violence or tragedy forged the will and and if we're going to find out in time that it's something similar that he finds that that's what makes him sort of have any sort of code is that he has some personal connection that a violence and tragedy that makes him see this girl as something he can't let stand. Um, so that's sort of what I want. And, and then he's got the the hood that looks like Batman's uh, cowl, and that's what it kind of all ties it together. So I think of these character types and how great this series is at building on character types, and then see that cowl hanging around his neck, and I'm like, he's he's Batman in this world. What was he forged by to be the will? And I'm very curious to know that. I, I want to know. I'm excited to find that out one day. Um, but that's sort of what I was thinking when I was thinking about the Batman. It was Batman and Amos from The Expanse and like what what caused him. And is it my, – my working theory is that it's something similar to what – the situation he found this little girl in that, that made him break his – um, or, or, or cause issues for himself in spite of himself, uh, even though he will murder a child, but he won't let this stand. Very curious about that. And that's, and you don't have to respond if you know the answer, um, but, and you can say you'll find out with time, but, but uh, that's, that's my thought. Any thoughts on what I had to say there? 
I, no, I, I honestly had never uh, thought about it in that way. But uh, yeah, that that that's yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah, we've cool. got. I don't think we've gotten there yet. So uh, in, okay. in my reading, and not that I recall. Um, of course, okay. I don't remember everything in fifty-five issues, but or yeah. fifty-four issues. But I don't think we've gotten there. But even if we never get there, I, I do think that definitely there's probably something to what you're saying. So yeah, I'm, I'm um, always fascinated by the human uh, experience that forges the human character in these big fictional hero archetype kind of stories. So I'm just curious. I'm very invested in what his history is that would make him so complex that he would murder anybody for money, but would not let this stand. And and, and it is a, a fantastical way of explaining like things that do happen you know in our life like just minor minor examples um generally if you grow up with somebody who smokes and i mean really really smokes one of two things happens you become a smoker or you are so vehemently against smoking that that you just won't put up with it in any way shape or form um yeah two of my siblings became heavy heavy smokers uh my little sister kind of went back and forth i cannot stand to be around cigarettes or any kind of smoking of anything really um and if if you've recently smoked a cigarette i I can tell and i like i won't stand within three feet of you and it's nothing personal it's just that was my whole childhood you know so I'm yeah. like, no, I'm not, no. Uh, so you kind of either become the monster or become the person that fights the monster to put it on a yeah. grander scale. So, like uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting. So, so, yeah. So what was your, I can't remember what your thing was. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. <laughs> no, it, there was a letter in the back of this issue. That's uh, right. Because I'm, I'm reading the individual issues, uh, and they always include the letter columns and i love yes. to read letters to books so i'm always reading the letters um and this one stood out so it, it's not very long i'm gonna try to try to shorten it where i can but uh okay. uh dear mr vaughn and mr miss staples uh thank you i will dispense with the cliches quickly this is my first letter written into a comic book and your comic moved me today in seoul south korea military revealed cruise missiles which are capable of reaching any installation within north korea a strong move in an already tenuous ceasefire uh living in seoul right now this is a very real and strange thing to hear on the morning news though living on this side of korea it should be considered good news i guess my wife and i have been married for almost three years the talk of babies has begun. In your recent Reddit interview, you mentioned your friends who, to completely butcher your succinct phrasing, tried to talk you out of bringing a baby into this type of world. When hearing news about Syria, South and North Korea, U.S. military personnel and their myriad missteps captured forever in horrific photographs, Iran and Israel saber rattling, what type of world is this for a child? Then I read saga number one. 
Did it convince me that I should have a child? No. Did it convince my wife to have a child? No, she hasn't read it, unfortunately. But it did remind me of the power of capital A art. Is that pretentious? Can I say that in, in a comic book letters form? I'm not sure I'm new here. Besides, I think you can get away with printing this as long as you didn't say it yourself. Art that reminds us of humanity, even humanity masked in horned men and winged women and something pure. Two people working on something so special. This brings me hope and I dare say it provides me with inspiration because as John Custer said, you got to be one of the good guys, son, because there's way too many of the bad. I think you're two good ones, Mr. Vaughn and Miss Staples, and maybe I can be too, or at least my future son, daughter, because someone's got to be in this world. Thank you. That's awesome. Does it, does it have a name? Uh, yeah. Um, hold on. Uh, Dennis Burns from Seoul, South Korea. Dennis Burns. That's super cool. I think that's a great letter. I think that um, I... Did you have some? I'm sorry, I didn't ask me to respond yet. Sorry. What, no, what are your no, no, no. That's I, it. Floored me. It really did. And I mean, we talk about the real life parallels, but we have not talked about the real life parallels in terms of war and politics. Because the minute you start talking about those things in real life, people get <laughs> they they draw up real quick, man. You know. They, they don't want to hear your arguments against or for or whatever. They have their stance and they don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, this It reminds me, because you always ask me, did, in a good way, not in like, oh, you always ask me, but in a good way. Um, you always ask me sort of about the parenting perspective as we read this series. Um, so I think that you asking me and being inspired to ask me sort of continues to validate. The, the thoughts in this letter um, and because it's just it is there on the page things that are very human and about being a new parent and being a parent um, but it reminds me of a movie I saw a few years ago it's a great film very very dark um, by Paul Schrader who wrote Taxi Driver um, but he wrote and directed this movie called First Reformed with Ethan Hawke have you seen this no I haven't it's got a scene in it that has um, what I would call the most intense provocation in a film I've ever seen asking the question, why would you have a child in this world? And it hasn't, and the answer is like in the movie that you should not. Um, and, and it's done very strong. It's a strong opinion. Mr. Schrader has not lightened up since taxi driver. <laughs> um, and, and, um, uh, a great film, not disparaging the film, but it does bring those things to. I I remember watching the scene and being extremely moved in a very negative way, but not regretting you know my kid or anything like that. And at that point, we still only had the one, and um, not not having, but just being like, wow, what a challenge, what a big thing. But it is art that makes me think about it and challenges me in that way. But then it is also art like Saga just like this letter says that affirms and confirms that um, it is worth it if you can bring some good into all of the badness. And I think that's a fantastic letter. I couldn't say it better myself uh, from my experience. This book is doing that for me as we read it. And I think about just having had a kid as our main characters have just had a kid. Um, and then um, I don't know, man, I just, I think of other pieces of work that, that do that for me as well. Honestly, even like the Mandalorian with baby Grogu, there's a lot of stuff like, I, 
that th- kind of reminds me of being a new parent and just sort of it's all about doing the good you can for that little being and giving them an opportunity to spread that good. It really does. You have an opportunity to put more positivity in the world, which only ricochets off of other kids in the world um, and other people and just it can grow. And so I don't know this book. This booking is encouraging, just like that letter says. It's a fantastic letter. Uh, Dennis in South Korea, if you ever listen to this, uh, his name is Dennis, right? Did I get it right? Yeah. Be, okay. It's like that would be terrible at the end of this if I got his name. But Dennis, um, if you ever hear this, uh, I hope you guys are doing well, um, and and hope your uh, kid or kids are doing well. It's been years since that came out, so that letter must have been published. So um, I just uh, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Logan. And please uh, continue to, as you see in the in the, in the letters pages that are that are uh, interesting. Cause that's that's great. That's, I got chills listening to it. Yeah, it, and. Um... If you do buy the individual issues, Vaughn answers the letters and the letters column personally. You know, usually it's like mm-hmm. some editor or something, you know, replying. Right. But I mean, he is very hands on. It's no assistant. And I mean, his response to the letter was basically that like, this is a letter I didn't think I would ever see. Like, this is like, I'm, I'm moved by your letter, I, you know? <laughs> Like, I yeah. don't, I don't have a response for this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, That's really good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do always read the letters. So if I ever come across anything, I always try to bring it up. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, awesome. So we're, we're at our final part of the podcast. So the question of the hour uh, is what's your, what's your favorite panel and or page? Um, God, I don't see. I do now. I do want to say the opening splash. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we spent five minutes talking about it. Yeah, the ending splash is also great, as tragic as it is. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's tough. You go. I'm still, still debating. Um, I am going with uh, this, the page where uh, Marco is in the snow, the, the angle looking down where there's the white of the snow and the bloody snow, and he's about to, to chop off a guy's head, and then he gets shot in that last, that fourth panel, and then it goes blue again. Um, it's just such a cool – it reminds me uh, – a Kill Bill Volume One. There's like a fight scene. The color switches uh, to black and white, and then it goes to color. It's very like it's so it's so it works so well. And in there, it's very style over substance in a lot of ways. Uh, here, it's both style and substance and subtext. <laughs> My favorite word for the series this week. Um, and 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 it's Alana intervening like a bolt of lightning to wake him up from his from his rage and um and that's a cool thing so that that page in my books i'm reading out the big blue book the hardback it's page 131 but the those four panels together that whole page that's definitely my favorite of the issue and and that book's oversized so it's even better like it just looks yeah spectacular um i hate that it's the death of the stalk but really like her design of the stalk is so brilliant and unique and beautiful and like it's it's so much wrapped into this one design that you know seeing it massacred i don't know it's very impactful so Mm -hmm. it's it's got to be that so 
that's yeah, awesome. That, that's a great pick. Um, so this is where we sort of wrap things up. Last uh, last episode, I just took over for some reason. I felt myself doing it, and it happened. So I'm going to throw to you first, Logan. How can people find more of you and what you're doing on the internet and find this podcast? Uh, always over at xwingfiles.com. And um, I'm, I'm lurking on Twitter these days. I'm not very active. So if you do tweet me, it's at Deadpool1979, D-E-D-P-O-O. L one nine seven nine. Um, I will see it because I'm kind of lurking. So awesome. And I'm I'm on Twitter at film dispenser, like a Pez dispenser, but for movies. Um, and so it's not like my name. Um, but you can feel free to to tweet me there. We have uh, Logan has access to an email address. What was your What's the email address? Xwingfiles at gmail dot com. So feel free to write in. We'll read your letters here if they're uh, not yelling at us. Um, we and um, and then also you can DM me as well if you have things for the show that you'd like us to talk about, either something that we've already addressed, or if you say like save this for the next issue or whatever. Check this out. Try to avoid spoilers for me if you can, um, because I haven't read. I, I think I really do think Logan that I'm about five issues ahead of where we are now. That's how far I think I got, um, and so it's somewhere in there. So I think I or maybe I finished the second volume but i just don't remember so I'm, I'm coming close to to not knowing or to getting into the fully unknown um and so so yeah so no spoilers please if you don't mind but feel free to reach out and let us know you're listening of course rate and review us on whatever podcast listener uh you're using to to listen to us that way we would love that it helps people find us it helps brian cave on and fiona staples find us so they'll come on our show and end this travesty once and for all um <laughs> And, and so, um, but, um, but yeah, so please feel free to do those things. And if you say, want to say bad things, that's fine. I'm stealing from one of my favorite movie podcasts, fighting in the war room and just say, give us five stars, but you can say whatever you want to about us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and go pick up. If you, if you're reading along with us, go pick up, uh, private eye by Brian K. Vaughn. It's what we're going to read in between the breaks of uh, issues six and seven. So we're coming up on that quick. That's true. Yes. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So you pick it up um, in stock trades. Last I looked, that's where I got mine in stock trades.com a website. Logan turned me on to some time ago. Fantastic price on that book. Really cool. Hardcover. Really bad for your bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, check that out and get it there. And, and they'll give you free shipping. If you buy over a certain amount, I just say spring for like the four bucks shipping and it's, they're pretty fast. Um, and so, um, if you want to get it quickly, um, and, and I've uh, never yeah. gotten anything that wasn't well packaged from them. Unlike Amazon who just throws a book in a box and ships it to you. So I feel like they could literally put like, like ancient, you know porcelain plates and ship them safely to me they mm -hmm. ship so well um so i second that emotion in stocktrades.com check them out um and um yeah so thank you very much for listening this is uh this has been another uh, episode of brian k pod um i'm spencer he was logan have a great week bye everybody and we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life 